0: Luke 15, in in verse 11, we, uh, now, Luke 15 is one of those chapters in the Bible that gains my attention, uh, and it excites me. Uh, Luke 15 begins with the parable of the lost sheep, Uh, it it goes on to the parable of the lost coin, you know know these parables, Uh, and then it goes to where we're at today, the parable of the lost son. It's interesting to me that uh, we spoke in life group about it, but allow me time here. It's interesting to me that the devil would make us focus on things that we've lost or things that are gone. Uh, He would like to cause us to focus on things that could never be recovered. But God in this one chapter, He's reminding us uh, by a parable of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then a lost son. Uh, that in Him and in His grace, all can be recovered. That's the kind of God we serve. And so, we want to look at this. I I know I may not be able to add a lot to it this morning. In fact, I I don't imagine I'll be preaching more than uh, 15 minutes, but I I want to read uh, Luke 15 and verse 11 and bring to light some things that uh, the Lord has shown us here uh, in this parable. Now, what you've got to do this morning is this. You've got to put yourself in this text. You know, gone are the days in the church where we come to church excited and eager because God's got a word for me, or God's got a word for you. And we've got to regain that today. Listen, we, we didn't discuss. everything that we have done here today is to bring our hearts and our minds to one place, and that's worshiping our Savior, and to eagerly wait to hear a word from heaven because God's got something. And so if, so if you didn't come for that, just dismiss yourself right now. We won't call you down and we won't mention your name. But that's the way we must come to God's house. That God's got a word for me and I don't want to miss it and I can't miss it. And what is it? What is it going to be? And we ought to be like... I don't know about you, but when, um, when mom, when grand, especially when granny used to fix a meal, my mouth would start... I was like a dog. Yeah. My mouth would start watering. I, I couldn't even... And then once it's on the table... Like, don't get in my... Just let me shove something in. Because I've, I've got to get in my mouth. I've got to get a taste of it. And we ought to be like that with God's Word. Uh, and, 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 and it, so He's got a Word. And this Word is for you. It's for you today. Luke 15, verse 11. And He said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Let, let, me, let me stop right there because I don't think I'll get back to this. But let, me say, let me say his first mistake, and our young people listen to me just a minute, his first mistake, somebody said his first mistake was asking for his part of the inheritance. That wasn't his first mistake. His first mistake is when he left the father's house. Man, man. Now, young people, mark this down. When you leave the father's house, you're heading for trouble. And the very next thing that will happen every time, just as sure as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, as soon as you leave the father's house, the very next thing that will happen is is you're going to join yourself to a citizen of a far country. That's where you'll wind up at. And that's where you'll be. That's the way it works every time. And so take caution from studying that. Take guard your church membership. Guard your responsibilities to the church. Guard your obligations and your commitment that you made when you joined the church. Because when you withdraw from the church, you're withdrawing from God Himself. And the, and you'll wake up tomorrow, and you'll be joined to a citizen of a far country, and it won't be good. And it won't be good. So let's move on. Uh, verse 15, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk of the, that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, thank God for that day, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. And kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father excuse me, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no worth no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it watch this, underline that word on, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again, and he was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. And I'm going to read the rest of this right here. And now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. I, I wonder right there why this why this complaining brother didn't go to the father to find out what's going on. He was interested in a corner conversation in a parking lot somewhere. So he got one of the servants and drew him aside. And verse 27, And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. And this, other, this older brother, Bible says, he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him, and he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time uh, at any time by commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatty calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine that it was meet, is necessary, that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and, and is found. Now, right before you're seated and before I preach, what I really want to preach this morning, I've got to say something about that older brother. I, can I share with you? I, I know I finally figured out. Uh, all these years, I knew there was a message in that older brother, uh, but God finally revealed it to me uh, uh, in, in the late hours last night. Uh, why is this included? Nobody preaches on the older brother. Everybody preaches on the prodigal coming home. I don't know about you, but in the reading of that text this morning, I could hear an older brother who was milly mouth whining. That's why God put it in there, because of... of People in the church today, and thank God it's not you, and thank God we're, we're gathered here with a different mind and a different attitude, uh, but that, that is a picture of that individual in the church who complains about everything, who milly mouths about everything, who wants to growl about everything, uh, who's, hey, hey, don't care for how you hang your head this morning or I'm going to think you're one of the guilty ones. Uh, that, he's a picture of that individual who can't be satisfied by, by, by nothing you do. And he's a picture of that individual who Jesus himself could preach and he would find fault. An angelic choir could sing and he would find fault. They're not going to be happy for nothing. And they're just going to admit. And you know what's happening here? Watch this. Watch. In this passage right here we see a brother who was dead and is now alive, was lost and now is found. Those people in the church today that are like that, they have forgot that there's still people in their family that's lost, and if they die lost, they'll die and go to hell. Yeah. They have forgot that there are prodigals who God's trying to bring home. They have forgot that there's a world that is still in need, that there's a world that is hurting, and a world that is helpless, and a world that is hopeless. And yet what they'd rather do... I, listen to me. I've wondered about... Listen, I wondered about Jonah. Just stand. You need to stretch your legs anyway. A little cardiovascular exercise. I've i wondered about Jonah. Why? Listen, and Jonah is a picture of this brother. Jonah goes and preaches to Nineveh, and the whole the whole city, the whole town repents. The king calls repentance to that nation, to that uh, that country, and they all come and they repent. And then Jonah gets mad. You know what? We got people in church like that today. They 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 simply are waiting on something to talk about, something to be angry about something to be mad about, something to growl about. Can we come to understanding right now this morning? Can we come to understanding that things are not always going to go my way? Can we come to an understanding that it's not always going to be done the way I think it ought to be done? That doesn't mean it won't be done right. Uh, It can be done right even though it's not done my way. Uh, Can we come to an understanding that we're not going to intentionally hurt anybody's feelings? I wouldn't dare hurt your feelings if I had to, and I know you wouldn't hurt mine. And if I'd get my feelings off my shoulder, if I'd quit walking around looking for a way for my feelings to be hurt, they won't be getting hurt as easily. Can we come to an understanding that I'm imperfect and that you're imperfect but can we understand that we love each other and that we're not going to intentionally hurt each other and that we're going to stand together and that we're going to pull together and we're just going to be a bunch of messed up, screwed up, imperfect people that's gathered together in one body and serving a Savior who's never messed up, who's never made a mistake uh, but who's always right uh, and in all of His perfection He's going to pour His grace and His mercy upon His church and His people. Can we just agree Read of that today? That that's what we are and that's what we're going to do. Man, I'm telling you, it makes God sick and it makes me sick this morning. Millie mouth, grumbling, graveling. you're getting this today. That That makes God sick. For God to lift you and save you and then for us to reach a place in our Christian life where we think that we have achieved righteous perfection and we'll cross our arms and we'll look down our pious nose and we're just waiting to growl and complain and we're soured and we're discontented and we don't even know why we're here other than just to sit around and wait on somebody to mess up. Are you with me? In one breath we thank God for saving souls and in another breath We'll question it and say, well, that's just a bunch of hocus-pocus. God's not really saving all those people. We'll growl about it. But that's that older brother. He's there for a reason. He's there for a reason. And and let me say this. just, Just be seated. Let's just look at the prodigal then. Somebody say amen right there. All right. So here's what we're talking about. Luke 15. We're talking about this prodigal son. Now, watch with me and follow with me and listen to the word of the Lord for you. Watch. This, this prodigal son, for some reason, this story, it strikes a chord in my heart. Maybe it's because I can so easily identify with this prodigal son. Uh, and there's prodigal daughters too, by the way. Uh, maybe it's because I wasted what the Father had given me. Maybe it's because I used to live uh, in a far country. Uh, maybe it's because I remember a time, and we know it's not of ourselves, that it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because I remember a time when I finally came to myself, and I said, what are you doing here, stupid? What are you doing with your life? Uh, and so, maybe it's because I identify with his journey home. Uh, maybe it's because I've, I, I have smelled like the pig pens, I've looked like the pig pens, uh, I've wasted it all there in the filter. Maybe it's because of all of that. But look at this prodigal son just a minute. I want you to know a few things about him as we think about him. I want you to notice that he's a fool because of his actions. He's a fool because of his actions. I heard Dave Ramsey the other day on his, uh, whatever his radio program is, somebody called in and and, uh, they wanted to know about co-signing for a loan for somebody else. And, uh, and right off the get-go, uh, Dave Ramsey tells him. he says, uh, he just drew a line, and he's against that, 100%, never co-sign a loan, and he let this person know, he said, it's stupid. He said, it's stupid, 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 stupid. And he said, now, I want you to understand, and that kind of offended me, him telling this other person that, but he said, I want you to understand, I'm not calling you stupid. But he said, I'm just letting you know that that is such a stupid thing to do. And he said, I can say that because he said, I've done stupid things in my lifetime with finances, and I've done stupid things over and over. And he said, when you do stupid things over and over, then you're stupid. And so he told this caller, he said, if you do this and keep doing stupid things with your finances, then you're stupid too. And this prodigal son, he was a fool because of his actions. He had become stupid, Brother Bobby, because he kept doing stupid things. Not only that, but he was independent. God help us all. We've got an independent nature, and every single one of us has an independent nature. I've preached on this. I've told you, both my kids, when they reach a certain age, and your kids have done the same thing, and you did too, and your parents did, and your grandparents did, when you reach a certain age, you want to do everything yourself. I'll do it, I'll do it, me do it, my girls uh, used to say. That's that, that's, that, uh, that's that nature of Adam in us that wants to be independent and take, our, take matters into our own hands. And every time we do that, we mess it up. Man, I mean, he was a fool because of his actions. He was independent. He squandered his future. Young people, listen to me. The decisions you make today, it writes your future tomorrow. You'll write your own future, and it'll be based upon what you do today. And, and he, he squandered his future. I mean, he had it all right in the father's house. But he squandered his future. He embarrassed his family. God help my soul. Maybe that's why I identify with this prodigal son, because I remember a time when I was such an embarrassment to everybody that knew me. At one time in my life, I was the cute little Sedaris kid. I used to be cute one time. When I was little... I' got pictures to prove it. I know it's beyond belief right now, but listen, miracles do happen. Uh, the, I used to be the cute little Sedaris kid, and everybody loved me, and even when I started being bad, and even when I started doing stupid, foolish things, I still had folks to see for a while. Oh, but eventually it, the word got out. I was an embarrassment to my family and an embarrassment uh, to my friend. This prodigal son, he abused his body. He, 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 he destroyed his body in that wasteful living. In fact, he wastes himself trying to find happiness and trying to fill his life with his own desires. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. He does everything that he thinks he can do while you're young. He just wants to turn it loose just for a little while. What he didn't realize is the Bible says when he started turning it loose, he found himself joined to a citizen of that country. He become one with a citizen of a country where he... Where he did not belong, he became very much a part, uh, uh, very much a part of that country. He was a citizen uh, himself, and, and so th- this is where we're at in the, in this story. And, and so here's what happens: this prodigal son, he finds himself once having a nice house once having a good job, once having a good family, uh, once uh, being respected and being well thought of uh, in his community, he finds himself uh, going from all of these nice and good things to living in a pig pen, shoveling slop, and smelling like a hog. Just that quick. Just that quick. Young people, let me say this. Don't think don't think that the journey to a wasted life takes years, because you can go from a church pew this morning to a life of waste in a day's time. And so don't don't think, and that and this this prodigal here, uh, he I mean he had it all. Now uh, the caption here in in my Bible or or, or uh, uh, the the caption in my Bible at home calls this literally the prodigal son means wasted. He's wasted all of his life, and, and wasted uh, the grace of the Father. Now, probably what we ought to write in place of the product... See, can we be honest just for a moment? We, we like to sterilize everything, especially in Baptist churches. We, we don't want people to... Listen, we, we don't want to act like our lives are really as bad as they are, that we're really as messed up as we really are, that, that we've not made mistakes as bad as we've really made mistakes. So we like to stare. And so in our little Bibles, we, we type, it's typed in there, prodigal son. We, we should probably mark that out, and, and, and we ought to probably just call him the idiot son. We ought, we ought to call him the rebellious son. Uh, we, we ought to call him the, the lost his mind son. Uh, we ought to call him probably the stupid as a stick son. That's probably what we... Are, are you with you understand what I'm saying? You, are you with me? That's probably what we ought to, uh, put, that we ought to put in there. But, but I want you to notice something. Now, now, here, here, here's where we're going. Listen to me. This parable is not about a prodigal son. This parable is not about a stupid son uh, uh, or an idiot son. Watch this. The whole focus point of this parable is on a merciful father in heaven. That's who's central place in this parable. And so, this son, he, uh, he, 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 he comes back. Now watch. here this son left a strong, healthy young man. Here this son left with the inheritance and the blessing of the Father in his arms. Here he left looking good with a clean haircut. I mean, none of this junk hanging in his, in his eyes, and you know all, he, he, man, he had it together. He let, and here he comes back. and when he comes back, he's emaciated. He's skin and bones. Watch this. On his face where there was once youthfulness, there's now wrinkles under his eyes and around his nose and down his jawlines from wasted living. He, he comes back and of course he's, he's filthy. He's been in the hog pens. He used to live in the father's house, and he had an inheritance and a blessing and a future. But he wasted it away, and he found himself in want. And he comes back, and he smells like an old hog. And some of you, some of you think, "Oh, those cute little piglets!" Those cute little piglets. Let me remind you, they smell like a hog. You ever touch one, you'll smell like a hog too, and you'll be lucky if you ever get it off. You've raised those. Hog- Listen, when he come back, he's stuck and he reeked of being in a hog lot. He was not clean. He was not pretty. And so here this son comes back emaciated and, and wasted and wrinkled and worried and, and he's broke as broke could ever be. Let me tell you something. There's things greater than fin- being financially broke, by the way. He is broken everywhere. Let me just say in the line of this story, this would be a good place for the stupid talk. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, you act like you've never had it before. Let me tell you how it goes. You're a teenage boy and you get in your daddy's face and you say some mighty big things, some big words. You storm out the door and your daddy says, son, if you're going to say things like a man, then you come back and say them to my face. I kept going. I got my truck and I left because I was afraid about what was about to happen. And then when I do come home, and I've cooled off, and Dad cooled off about two days later, he brings me in, and he says, or he's, in the, he's standing outside in the, in, the, uh, in the corner of the driveway. He's uh, weed-eating a, a ditch line. And he turns the weed-eater off, and I knew that meant he's ready to talk to me. And so I slide up, and he said, Son, what are you thinking? Where's your brain at? Has it checked out? What's what's going on with you? Do you you not think there's consequences to your actions? The things you're choosing, the people you're running around with, the places you're going? Son, if you don't get it together, you're going to wind up in a bad place. Now sit there and act like you ain't never been given that talk. That's okay. But some of you probably have. Well, this would have been a good place for the stupid talk. One night, I was working in town, and one of our officers come across the radio, Heath, and when he come across the radio, he was screaming. You, you could tell there was a fight taking place behind the bike, and he was screaming for help. And we finally got it. I was on Russ Avenue. And we finally got it, uh, got it out, his location, his 1020, that he was at the shell station. Well, at that time, we had two shell stations in town, one on the east end of town and one all the way on the west end of town. And all we knew is, is that this officer was in a fight for his life and it was at the shell station. I went to the shell station on Rush Avenue and it was not there and so I knew it had to be on the west end of town and how I got there before anybody else in town or anybody any other law enforcement agencies, I'll never know. But I made it all the way to the west end of town. And I pulled into the shell station and and, and, uh, and my 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 fellow officer and a deputy from the county were there, and they had this guy on the ground and there had been one more of a fight taking place and what this What had happened was is they were sitting at the shell station talking. You see the patrol cars pulled up beside each other they, they were pulled up there talking, and this man walks walking down the road through Hazelwood walks in front of those patrol cars and he's staggering a little bit and he looks right in the windshield at my buddy and he flies them the one-finger wave. Don't act like you don't know what that is either. Gosh, we got a righteous crowd this morning. Holy smokes, I'm glad we're not having church. Go home and get it together tonight, man. God saved you, I know, but you're still flesh and blood. And Hey, I know I could go visit some people to tell me about the old you if I wanted to. Don't try to hide anything. It's under the blood. We're not going to hash it out and bring it up and talk about you in the corner. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Thank God. Amen. All right. And so I told my bud. I told my bud. I seen what had happened, and my um, my partner, his uniform shirt was torn to pieces. He. And I, so I knew the tensions was high, and I told him. I said, and they they'd actually had to hobble this guy. And hobbles when you got handcuffs behind you. And, and, uh, and they tie a little rope around your ankles and they pull your ankles up to your feet and tie that rope to your handcuffs so your feet's tied up to your hands and you're hobbled like a hog. And so I, I told them, I said, put them in my car because I knew the tensions were high and everything and they'd been in a fight. I said, throw them in my car. And so I opened my back door up and, and we picked them up and just kind of throw them in there and, uh, and shut the door and I said, I'm, go- I'm going on to the jail. And so I started to the jail running through uh, Main Street through town and, and uh, this guy, some way, he, he was pretty strong. Some way or another, he would got his feet loose from that hobble a little bit, and he started kicking my door and busting it to pieces in that back seat. And, and then he started trying to kick the glass out of my, my back seat, and, and uh, I turned my, my dome light on inside my patrol car, and I could see what was going on. Man, he was tearing things up. And, uh, and, and so, uh, I'm like, well, okay, I'll, I'll fix you, buddy. And so I just tapped my brakes and popped him right over in the floor. And so he's wedged down between that cage, and, and the floor, and so he can't do nothing now. And he's cussing me for everything he's got, and he says, who do you think you are? And I said, I'm David Sedaris. I said, who do you think you are? And when I said that, he said, David. I stopped the patrol car right in the middle of Main Street, and I turned around and looked over through my glass, and I got, finally got a good look at his face, and it was an old buddy of mine. And I said, Steve, what? In the world, are you doing? He said, I don't know, man. I said, Are you stupid? He said, I'm drunk. I said, I know you're drunk, but are you an idiot? I said, Steve, you can't just walk through town and flip cops off, and you can't fight cops. And he, they had beat him with the collapsible baton, and he still nearly beat both of them to death. I said, what are you doing, man? What's going on? He said, I've just had some hard times. And he said, I guess I was find, trying to find somebody to take it out on tonight. And I said, I said, let me tell you. I said, listen, you done made a mess. You dug a hole. And you're going to have to live in it for a little while. And I said, ain't much I can do at this point. But I said, you cooperate the rest of the night. I said, we'll try to make things a little easier for you. And why, why he said this, I'll never know. But he said, he said, all right. He said, if you'll just put my hat on my head, he said, I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> I said, hey, we can handle that. We'll put a hat on your head. But listen to me. That, that, this right, that, that sun comes back, and this would have been a good place for the stupid talk. It's not here. What happens, preacher? Well, in in this language, in the Greek language, you must know that this father, he is sitting every day watching and waiting for this. Every day in repetition, he gets up and he looks through the fields waiting on this son to come home. And I want to tell you what happened. Uh, Elizabeth, you come where's Elizabeth? come get us play something, come get something going on the pen. What happens in this passage of Scripture is not the stupid... Listen to me just a minute. Listen, watch this. What happens in this Scripture is not the stupid talk. But what happens in this Scripture is not, Man, you've messed it up. Man, you've screwed up. Man, you're never going to get it back. Man, you're you're never going to be forgiven. Uh, Son, look what you... You've been a bozo. I mean, you've jacked your life up and it'll take another lifetime to ever get it right. That's not what happened in this text. But what happened in this text is, and is the text is all about the merciful, loving, kind Father that this Son had as a Heavenly Father. This Father jumped up and here's what He had to say. He said, He's back! He's back! He's back! That's what happens in this text. That's the God in whom we serve. Make what you want to of this parable. But in this parable, there's a Father who is representative of our Heavenly Father above. In this parable is a Father that gives this Son all kinds of grace and goodness. And in this parable, there's a Son who pulls some stupid stuff and wastes it all. But when He comes to Himself and He goes back to the Father's house... There's a father not standing there with a whip and a scourge, but there's a father who jumps and says, Get the fatted calf. My son that once was lost has now come home. I've been in his shoes. I've been a prodigal before. Don't miss one thing right here. And then I'll, I'll, I'll close it up. Don't, don't miss this, this one thing. The Bible says that the father put a robe on his back Did he put a ring on his, watch, put a robe on his back. He put a ring on his hand. He put shoes on his feet. The father must have cleaned him up real good first. And then he put on him these things that we've read about. We can preach a sermon on each one of those. But the bottom line is this that God, that the Father in this parable let me say it like this that the Father in this parable had some things that he was putting on his son and when the son come home he got to wear all that the Father was wanting to put on him we've got a Father above this morning he's wanting to put on you his spirit he's wanting to put on you his power He's wanting to put on you His provisions. He's wanting to put on you His peace. He's wanting to put on you the things that are important to Him. He's wanting to put that in your heart. And so God's got all this. You, you, know, you notice, you notice he, didn't, he didn't say, okay, here's what we're going to do. You've got to pay me back. I've got to see it. You owe me. So let's work out a payment plan. Uh, he, he didn't say, you've got to prove yourself. He, he didn't say, now you're going to have to demonstrate for a little while. And, and when you start demonstrating and, and, and you start showing me that you're... Then then we'll give you your car back, your truck back, and then we'll start paying you insurance again. He, he didn't say all that. But he said, he's home. He, he's home. Go get the fatted calf and let's make a feast. Now, don't get me wrong right here, and maybe I'm stretching this just a little bit far. Brother Bobby, I don't think so, but I could be. But it's almost as if once the son come home in repentance, and I believe his heart was repentant in the pig pen, because he rehearsed it all, And he comes home and he's repented. It's almost as if this father doesn't remember what all the son done. It's almost, Larry, like he's forgot all of the mess being in. It's almost like the Father does not even have a recollection uh, of the far country the Son lived in and wasted in. It's almost like the Father says, a new creation, a new chance, a new day, a new sunrise, a new lifetime for you. I believe it's there. I believe it's there. And so God's got something this morning He wants to put on you. Are you ready for this? Because you've got to be ready for it. You really do. God wants to work in you and through you. Do you know that? But if you will not, God will work around you and He'll use whoever, whatever He has to. But I'm telling you, He wants to work in you and through you. He wants His peace to rest on you. He wants His grace to rest on you. He wants His provisions to rest on you. He wants His promises to be unveiled in your life. So what have I got to do, preacher? What's, what's my part in this? Come to yourself. Come to yourself. Uh, and this is not some self-help type message. And uh, I'm taking the text literal. It's the Spirit of God operating in the life of this... Uh, let the Spirit wake, hey, come to yourself. Come to yourself. And by the way, I can't help but to notice here that this son, once these things were on him, the Bible doesn't say that he started. That he looked back and he thought of it every day. The Bible doesn't say that he walked around and he said, boy, I've messed up, I've been stupid, I've been a knucklehead. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that they eat and begin to be merry. What if I told you that your happiest days are ahead? What if I told you that your best days are ahead? What if I told you that what God's got in store for you that your eyes have never seen, your ears not ever heard, and you've never even thought it into your eyes. Hey, why is it that when the devil whispers to you in the midnight hour that you'll believe him lock, stock, and barrel, but when God speaks to you and says you're mine, I've created you, may my power rest upon you, we have trouble believing that. Why is that? So what do I do, preacher? What do I do? come to yourself. Start the journey home. You know what happened to this prodigal in that pig pen? He turned around and started the journey home. Just like leaving starts a step at a time, coming home works the same way. The only thing is, is when you leave, you have to leave in your own power and in your own strength, and it's tiring. It's worrisome. It'll kill you but when you set your face toward home He empowers you to make the journey you don't do it by yourself you do it under the strength and operation of the Holy Spirit of God that's what you do so you just got to start the journey home God's dealing with your heart right now Elizabeth sing to us and I'm going to ask you to stand and I want you to come and say preacher I want all that God's got for me no matter what I've given up no matter what I've no matter what I lost I want it all sing come
1: Wherever you're at, you come right now. Somebody's gonna pray God, with you. Come, now I'm coming. Yeah. amen. Home. Amen. The Quickly come. The paths of sin, too long yeah. I've trod. Yeah. Lord, I'm coming. Yeah.
0: Love. Did you know? Did you know that they say that the absence of love, true love from your father here on this earth, that it'll mess a it, man or a woman up for the rest of their life if a father doesn't affirm his love to his children? It'll cause you a lifetime of heart attack. Eh? Well, I can't help what your earthly father did or did not do, and I hope they were perfect in your life. But I tell you this, you've got a heavenly father. You've got a heavenly father who's loving you with a perfect love. And he's saying, come home. Come home. He's saying he is home. He's back. Let's have a celebration. Let's (coughs) go to party. Let's rejoice. Let's be thankful. Is that you this morning? Do you need that in your heart of hearts? Would you slip your hand up this morning and say, Preacher, pray for me. In this prodigal parable, there's a message about me. Raise your hand and let me pray for you without coming to you. Slip your hand up and let me see it. Nobody else. Bless your heart, sir. Somebody else. Bless your heart, ma'am. Somebody else. Raise your hand up. Preacher, there's a picture of me in this prodigal account. Will you raise your hand and let me see? Bless your heart, ma'am. Somebody else. Bless your heart, ma'am. Somebody else. Just raise your. I'm just gonna pray for you right now. Will you raise your hand and say, Preacher, there's a picture of me. Will you raise your hand and let me see your hands and I'll pray for you right now. Now I want you to see this. There may be a shadowing of you in this narrative. And I want you to know that the parable is not about the son. The parable is about a father with a loving grace and a loving mercy toward that son. And so if you, if you, if you must admit that there's a picture of you in this parable, then you too must admit that there's a picture of a father who's full of grace yes. and full of kindness and full of compassion. And he's saying he's home. He's home. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that God you'll move in the hearts of the saints of God, Lord. We believe, God, this is not a parable for lost sinners that are bound for hell. But we believe it's a parable about the saints, people, men and women who are sons and daughters of God that, Father, have had these struggles and the adversities of the in life, and have God, and Lord, have just messed up. And I'm thankful, Father, that there's a picture in this of you. You an yes. Almighty God who in compassion is moved yes. toward those that he loves. So God, I pray that you'll touch those that have raised their hands, and that God, today they'll find the help, the relief. Yes. And that God they'll find the freedom, Lord, yes. that they need in Jesus Christ. God, may your will be done in their lives. Yes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask you to come. Let's sing one more
1: verse. If this altar is still open, come. Somebody will pray with you. I'm tired of sin and straying, Lord, I'm coming home. I'll trust thy love, believe thy word.